Hi, everyone. This is Grant Palmentier, the podcast's editor at CM Life. The following podcast was recorded the day before the March 2nd shooting. Following the event that left two dead in Campbell Hall, this podcast was held until the following week. This is Emma Dale, community editor for Central Michigan Life, and welcome to this edition of Past Deadline, a podcast that goes beyond the headlines and behind the scenes with our staff. Today we are discussing guns and gun culture. On Wednesday, the national sporting goods chain, Dick Sporting Goods, which has a location in Mount Pleasant, announced it would cease its sale of assault-type weapons. Delta Airlines, United, Hertz, MetLife, and several other companies announced that they would end partnerships with the National Rifle Association. In Washington, D.C., the debate over the Second Amendment is heated as high schoolers from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, speak out against what they say is a refusal to address America's gun crisis. On February 14th, a former student at the high school shot and killed 17 people and injured others. Guns are a part of life in Michigan, a state well-known for its hunting opportunities and other outdoor activities. Two CMU photojournalists recently spent time studying Michigan's gun culture as part of a larger project. Josh Barnhart is a senior from Hudson, Michigan, and Mackenzie Brockman is a junior from Colorado. Welcome to the podcast, and thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So first, tell me about the photojournalism workshop you both participated in with guest lecturer Danny Wilcox Frazier. Um, the Danny Wilcox Fraser workshop is uh, a nine-day, I think it was about nine days, yeah. um, photojournalism workshop uh, that was led by him, um, who's a, he's a famous photojournalist. He shoots for seven, seven photos, I think is what it's called. I think so. Yeah. Um, also, Kent Miller, who's a photojournalist professor, and we pretty much eat, breathe, and sleep, sleep <laughs> photos for like 24 hours a day. Um, and yeah, we'd pick a topic every year. Um, and this year we decided to pick uh, um, the division of our nation following the election. Okay. And so when you thought about the theme, A Divided America, what initially initially drew you to the subject of guns and gun culture? Actually, I don't think either one of us were initially drawn to guns and gun culture. We were just drawn to um, more conservative views in America because a lot of our peers were doing, I know for me at least, a lot of our peers were doing more liberal views and like transgender rights and stuff and we just I didn't see the subject of the right I mean not the subject the viewpoint of the right represented very well um I went down various routes of trying to find subjects and I did land on gun culture eventually yeah I think we messaged at least I messaged a bunch of like militia groups Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh any white supremacist groups supremacy groups and um and Antifa, so definitely have some people looking for us now, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that kind of goes to the next question. How did you meet the people that you ended up spending time with? I spent time with a lot of people from the Black Creek Conservation Club. Okay. And I went about meeting them. I read about them in a few articles by the Morning Sun, and I just kind of dug around on their Facebook and their website and got in contact. Like, I Facebook messaged them. I emailed the president and... I ended up, that's how I got in contact with them. Yeah, and uh, mine was a little bit more, like, broad. I I did a lot more traveling. Um, I talked to two gun shop owners in town, which was, I would just go in and talk to them. Um, And a lot of the people I met were more so at gun ranges. And, yeah, I would would find some people who would be willing to talk to me. And I also um, went to, somebody else in the workshop had a family member who is, like, they come from a family that has guns and, um, yeah, so I got to go to his house, and um, he showed me around his property and stuff, and it was really cool. 
Okay, so when you started working with them, did it seem like uh, they thought that you had a clear perspective and, like, trusted you? Or what was kind of your take on that? I mean, I know for me at first they are like, this lady's just messaging us out of the blue wanting to, like, know more about us. And all she's read about are these articles on the Morning Sun. So the people at first that I met were very hesitant, um, especially because a lot of our communications were over like email or phone texting and stuff. So they were hesitant at first, but really when we met each other and got to see each other in person and got to know each other, they were more open to it. Yeah, uh, for me it was like, it. they kind of were for it or weren't for it. Mm-hmm. Um, they, there was a lot of people that were super hesitant when I approached and I know there was no way they were gonna talk to me. Um, but more and more so people, the more I explained to my, the more I explained what I was doing, the more people would jump on board with it um, when I like told them that I'm trying to raise a conversation and I'm not trying to slander anybody um, they would honestly a lot of times they would open up and just start venting and telling me like all the problems oh, wow. that they have but yeah. yeah for sure also if you like keep an open mind I found that like just having conversations with them increased their trust in me so much more just being um, open to their ideas and wanting to know more about them and mm-hmm. their views and so I know this was the first time that you both actually fired a gun. So what was that like? Uh, for me, it was like a little scary at first. <laughs> I was like, man, this is a lot of power in my hand right here. But I feel like I got used to it. And yeah, I definitely, definitely got used to it after a while. Yeah, I was, I kind of built up to it the whole week because they were like, oh, we're going to teach you at the <laughs> Harvest Festival. So like when it was time, I was like, okay, this is it. And I was just shooting at bowling pins. So I, I liked it. It was fun. Okay. And who was the better shot? You? Me. I don't know. We still have to do a shootout. We haven't done that uh, yet. Okay. All right. Um, so after you did some shooting with them, did it give you a better understanding of why they like guns so much and kind of their perspective on things? For sure. I don't know how to explain it, but I did go into the – project thinking that guns were a very black and white issue and that it was either you were for them or against them and there was like no in between but just I met so many different people that use guns in various different ways and all very safely that I definitely came out of it with a way better understanding of why people like guns. Yeah it was the same for me too um there's just there's like so many different reasons that people are into it for some people it's a hobby for some people it's protection um like Bruce, who was the guy that I went to his house and he showed me around his property, he's very into gun safety and protection for his daughter and his children, and he teaches them. I, I felt very safe with him having a gun because he was very safety mm-hmm. conscious. Um, and there's also stuff like skeet shooting, which was super different. It was mm-hmm. kind of like a real-life arcade game, and that was that was like really fun. That's what that's what we should do, head-to-head <laughs> skeet shooting. Um, so looking at the other side, did they seem to have an understanding of why people are so concerned about the growth of guns? And prevalence of guns. Yeah, they did. I met a few people also at a gun range. I went there as well. And overall, a lot of people were like, they're very understanding. But like I said, they just use them for different ways, in different ways. Yeah. And for me, it was like kind of who I talked to. Like um, some people were like pretty reasonable about it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, as far as like being diplomatic and then other people were just more so just expressing they're they're uh how they're not pleased with some 
some things. But <laughs> so, um, did they seem to see the other side of the issue and why people have thought that the Second Amendment has been misinterpreted? Or did they give any sort of perspective on that? Or I think they all were really passionate about having the right to own the gun. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, I spoke to people. The majority of the opinions that I heard, um, they agreed that there could be some reform as far as background checks and what you can get your hands on. That's interesting. That's what I heard as well for the most part. Okay. I mean, like Josh said, there are some people that weren't as receptive yeah. to things. Okay. Yeah. And so overall, what was your takeaway from the experience? Uh, I think for me it was kind of like what I just said almost, that like I felt like both sides, you know, pro-gun, anti-gun, are almost saying the same thing. They're just saying it differently. Okay. And I think if people were to sit down and, like, realize that there's just way more faces to this than what we, real- what we like, know, um, yeah, I just think people are saying the same thing a lot of times. Mackenzie? Yeah. I mean, there, from doing this, I learned that there are safe ways to have and handle guns and that having this conversation and being open to the different sides of different points of view is what will be helpful to furthering this into something good for us. Okay. Well, Josh and Mackenzie, thank you for being here and discussing gun culture. Uh, You can go to cm-life.com and see their photos in the posting that includes this podcast and in the gallery section of our website. Evan Sashella is the university editor of Central Michigan Life. He is a senior from Saginaw and will be interning at the Jackson Citizen Patriot starting in May. Welcome to the podcast, Evan. Thank you for having me, Emma. Last week, you wrote a story about CMU safety guidelines. What do CMU police recommend students do if they are faced with an active shooter situation? When I spoke with the CMU police, what they advised me, the number one priority if there ever was a case of an active shooter on campus is to escape. Find an escape route, evacuate, just get out distance yourself from the shooter as much as possible. Um, If you can't do that, the next thing is to hide. If there's a closet, just hopefully there's a lock, but just try to, again, get get away from the view of the shooter. And if all else fails, the third thing is to fight back and attack. That might be your last resort. Those are kind of the three things that uh, I was told. And it's really around the country. Those are really the three things that they advise to do. So were you surprised by that suggestion? Did they explain why running away is the best option? Uh, I wasn't surprised. Um, running away, I wouldn't say running away, it's just more of a es- escaping and trying to get out of the scene and out of the view. Um, obviously when there's an active shooter, you have to do whatever you can to um, get out of the way and, and try to remain safe. And that's the goal of seeing you police and, and police in general is to keep people safe. And um, having an escape plan route in mind is, is, is essential. So they also advise, and from what I've read, is that you have to, you know, leave your belongings and just try and, and find an escape route. So can you explain why and when CMU police send alerts to students? CMU police... Uh, they send alerts to students when there's 
a situation, an emergency situation where the campus community could be affected. Um, usually for that, there hasn't been really an after shooter situation for that, but you know, in the past we've received, if there's been threats of violence in other ways and um, if suspects are on the loose that committed a crime, that will, it's when you will get an alert that just lets the campus community know that there is somebody out on the loose They'll usually give a description too, um, so just to keep an eye out and, and keep keep an eye out for one another too, and, and try and be safe. And okay. then they'll issue a follow up when the person has been caught. I understand there's a video available on CMU's website on the emergency management page. Can you tell me a little bit about what that video is? That video is called "Shots Fired," and if you use the search bar on CMU's website, you type that in. It should be available. Um, that video just explains the guidelines to what to do in case there's an active shooter uh, on, on campus. And uh, in addition to the video, there's other resources and training. I mean, the police, you know, they're trained to to stop acts of violence. And when there's an active shooter, like, that's part of, of their training. So um, CMU, I, I believe they do a good job of keeping the campus community safe. I think this was an important story to tell in the wake of what happened and how um, we have resources to to stay safe if that ever was the case. So sometimes we think those types of situations can't happen here, like the 2007 shooting at Virginia Tech or what just happened in Parkland, Florida. In 1980, at what was then Fair State College in Big Rapids, Michigan, a student shot and killed a professor in front of about 30 students during an accounting class. The professor reportedly failed the student, who was the son of an associate dean at the college. After the shooting, two male students grabbed the gunman and held him until police arrived. Campus police were already on their way because a student reported seeing a man with a gun. That was almost 40 years ago, and it was noteworthy because a shooting like that at a university was rare. Now, after mass shootings in places like Las Vegas and Sutherland Springs, Texas, there's much more concern on how to stay safe. Evan, what do you think students should do to make sure they are prepared if a shooting takes place on campus? Well, I mean, it, one is to just, you know, maybe talk to a police officer. I mean, the campus police we have there here as resources, and that's something they've stressed to me in my meetings with them. They're not you know, they're here to, to help you out in, in case of any situation. Um, if you go to the campus police, their website, I mean, one of the first things that pops up is they want to keep students safe in this community. Um, so I would just review the resources CMU has to offer. Uh, you can watch that video. Um, obviously, with active shooting, that's not something that people, you can't really prepare for that. Um, but there's the resources in place where you can either talk to a police officer. I'm sure there'll be things coming up here in the future where they can adjust and, and try to revisit some of the, the strategies in place to help out the campus community. So, um, again, it's just resources, talking to police, trying to be educated just to make sure that if it ever was the case, and I hope it's not, that there's resources available. Thank you, Evan, for that advice and for your story on campus safety. That's it for this episode of Past Deadline, a news podcast produced by Central Michigan Life. I'd like to thank my guest and our producer, Grant Palmatier. We would like to know what you think about these topics. Email me at news at cm-life.com with your thoughts. 
Thank you for listening and have a fun, safe spring break.